Welcome to the Tilted Coaching Podcast and I'm your host, Sheila Walsh. My background is in coaching psychology and organisational consultancy. If it has something to do with people, I'm usually involved and interested, whether it is about personal development, professional development, leadership, relationships, managing or anything else that involves the care of people in some way. A friend of mine encouraged me to do this podcast because he believed that I should bring my insights and my understandings into a really simple bite-sized collection and this is what you have today. I hope you enjoy the Tilted Coaching Podcast. Please do rate us if you find it interesting and you can always pop over to our Patreon account to sponsor it. Okay, so this is Sheila Walsh. Welcome to the Tilted Coaching Podcast. Today, we have Ernest with us. Now, Ernest, will you introduce yourself because I couldn't do it justice? Sure, Sheila. Thanks for having me. Um, This is probably my first uh, introduction as an unemployed person, I guess, when I say him. So that's an unusual one, kind of a bit of an identity changing one. Um, So I am formerly and hope to be resuming a career in hospitality, um, amongst other things, uh, shortly. Um, it's funny how, how defined we become mm. by our uh, professions, yeah, and our, our schedules and work routines and whatever else, uh, for better or for worse. But um, uh, I um, have some bars and a restaurant in Cork City, and I um, uh, we we make and sell gin and soon to be whiskey. Um, whiskey is made and, and ready to go. Um, and then I'm stuck on some other things like Cork Simon that we were chatting about briefly a minute ago, and we'll chat about again. So yeah. I, I'm stuck in a few different uh, bits and pieces. Yeah, I actually didn't think about how hard it is to answer that question until until you just named it there, that in these times where everything's kind of paused and, and businesses are at risk, it's not the same as kind of leaning on, well, this is my job, because actually it, it actually might not be your job right now. Like I know you said you're sitting in a, a closed restaurant at the moment. It's probably, I don't know if it's so, literally. <laughs> yeah, it makes a nice office. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and I can see how shiny the glasses are there. But it's an yeah. interesting idea that, that something that we're so attached to, like when I looked at your LinkedIn before this interview, I was surprised that you were involved in the Cork um, Simon community. And I was also quite interested in the piece around the gin and whiskey because it's in Kinsale, isn't it? That, that, yes, yeah, so, so, okay. yeah, so we're in the middle of building a distillery in um, Kinsale at the moment. Um, and and uh, I don't fundraising, right? We're raising investment to do it. And that that we have to be very careful that we don't fall between two stools because the um, economy and environment we were raising money in and the one we will be raising one are very different. Now, interestingly enough, there's, it looks like there's opportunities there as well, mm. as well as adversity. But um, yeah, so, so that, that's, the, um, that's what was and is and hopefully will be again going on. Yeah. yeah. And you had said, just before we jumped on, you had said that although things are changing, you're still looking towards expanding the, mar- the market reach of um, the gin and the whiskey. So will you say yeah. a little bit about that for anyone that's listening that is thinking that their business has to be stuck or that they're, they're in an innovation stage and they're thinking, well, now it's done. What is it that you're thinking about? Well, I suppose our, 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 um, our whiskey story started over four or five years ago. So, so maybe nearly four years ago. Um, and Irish whiskey has to be, well, it's three years now and four years in the States, um, legally. Um, so we started buying whiskey and, and laying it down and that whiskey has now matured. Um, so while, what we're hoping is that the 
the, and sorry, and in the background, the amount of paperwork that has to go on, particularly with the states. You'd hear all these, um, I, I can, I'm always mix up, mix up synonyms and acronyms, but the, the three letters, so the FDA and the TTB and all these type of people, um, the amount of, like, unfortunately, outside of like TV, they're real, and the amount of paperwork that they demand is phenomenal, um, and really obscure things. So we use 24, 21 um, uh, botanicals in our gin, and one or two of those are banned in the States. Or oh, if they're not banned, it's because somebody's never used them before. So with most products, some, somebody someday goes off and gets all the tests done on elderberries or junipers or whatever, and then they say, okay, this is approved, you can use it. But in the, it, when you're trying to create a unique product, and obviously a lot of ours is based on what grows wild um, mm. in Kinsale and can be foraged, um, there's products that have never been used in the States before. Um, and um, so the amount of paperwork and testing and labs and all that has to go with that is phenomenal. So that, that journey has been going on for ages with, with the gin and the whiskey. And our plan was to launch now. Um, we were launching and we still will launch in Newport in Rhode Island because it's Twinwood can sail. And there's okay. a big relationship between the two. And, um, you know, obviously we're thinking a big summer launch and, you know, beach party and there's big yacht clubs and all that kind of stuff in Newport. So it's a little bit different now. But in the same breath, um, I don't know how similar the current situation with this COVID thing is in the States uh, from an underground point of view to Ireland. But for us, while our pubs are closed, off licenses and supermarket sales are flying. Mm. Um, like the, just whipping off the shelves um, um, in, in super values and in carry out off licenses. So we're thinking, okay, well, let's just launch in the States with an off trade focus and then hope to center ourselves to be a new shiny product when these, you know, um, anti-isolation parties kick off um, in pubs and stuff again so because we've uh it is see the pants stuff but i suppose we've been on a four or five year journey um and we have this momentum so we've momentum with suppliers and people we've lined up mm. and um, i just think that if we put it on pause that that will just dissipate um whereas i think we we um the flip side is it's a really good time for um you know captive audience there's not many new things happening at the moment so we think we'll probably be the like you're the newest whiskey on the next person releases theirs and at the moment that's probably a week or two um usually but with this going on we might you know have uh, you know be top dog or the new kid on the block for six weeks or 12 weeks which is a great chance to um to get people's attention and get listings and things like that um so yeah, we'll see yeah, I love I love the sound of that. I love two, there's two things about what you're doing that I think is really interesting. One is that you've realised that there's that's that market, you know, the supermarket piece is where everyone's going. Like most of us aren't paying for meals at the moment. We're heading out trying to get the ingredients for a good meal and a drink and whatever we want for ourselves. So we're spending money in supermarkets we wouldn't usually spend. And yes. and then the second part is that that space, acknowledging that there's that massive space, like a lot of people who are listening to this who run businesses are looking at, and, and I've had these conversations, are looking at where the revenue is stopping. They're not looking at where the revenue is, is maintaining or where they can hold a position because other people are also thinking that way. So there, there's actually another way to look at this. And it's not anti, um, like some people are saying, we shouldn't be thinking about money. Well, if we don't think about money now in our economy, we will be thinking about it in eight weeks. So we yeah. need to think now. Well, and we, um, so we have um, staff. So, so in my hospitality businesses, including myself, all our staff are on temporary layoff. Um, and it's, it's funny, even the word of that I have to be careful with because you kind of say light, light holidays, other on holidays, but, but unfortunately it's a far harsher situation than that because, you know, there's financial uncertainty and all that for them, mm. which is very unpleasant. 
Whereas in the gin business, as much as possible, we're trying to keep the team together. So for our sales team, we've said as long as you are comfortable and, and, and safe um, dealing with people, a lot of it would be remotely, but some of it would be physically still delivering, you know, things like mm. that, getting products to people and, and arranging displays. Um, we say as long as it, people, you know, people are keeping ordering and, and willing to let you in the store and you're comfortable with it, we're going to keep you on the road. So it's, um, it's in everyone's interest while it's safe to... So it, yeah, sure, it's financial, but it's it's financial that just keeping people going. Mm. Is it profitable? I doubt it. You know, um, it it uh, it really is just um, just trying to keep momentum and also sadly, you know, like um, uh, like at the start being defined by our jobs, but also that that routine. Mm. So just um, to not get up every day and try and sell something is uh, is just alien to me. Like you know, mm. Mm. because you you like. I don't know if you know this, Ernest, but I would have met you years and years ago at um, the Hoops Band, the, oh, band, yes. the two hey. lads, right? Hey, so yeah. I was living with one of the lads for a little bit and I would have been coming in to... Pardon? Who we, was it Dan? Who were you living with? Rob. Well, so Rob, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I remember meeting you there. So having watched your journey over time... Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, I wasn't sure the name, but having yeah, watched... There was, friend, there was two, there was two, he was, I think, coming with another lady. Yeah, I think she, I want to say she was American. I, I think, I can't yeah. remember her name, but yeah, yeah no, there's two of us. So we were looking for anything to distract us. Yeah, <laughs> it is, yeah. Yeah, um, but I, I think the, what's been interesting is to watch your journey. That was 15 years ago. Pardon? That was 15 years ago. Oh, don't say that. Yeah. Really? yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> Jeez. It's amazing, isn't it, how quickly the time flies sometimes. Like, that doesn't yeah. feel that long to me. That's like, do you know, that, that's not that long ago, but it is 15 years as a, as a child. So, yeah, it is a while. Um, but what I find interesting is kind of watching your, your journey, so in Cork, so, you know, like just finding out you're involved in Cork Simon Community, but watching your journey, we'll say through the bars, like in the beginning you said you mentioned bars, but you didn't name them. Will you just put the names? Because people will probably know the yep. names of the bar better than you. I don't mean that in a bad way, but... Well, of course, yes. Yeah. So there's Sober Lane, which, which is nearly 15 years old, uh, where the hoops would have followed us from Cleavers over there for a while, um, and uh, an electric. Um, so they're kind of the... Um, I was going to say the main day job, the, the gin and the whiskey is probably eclipsing it at, um, for the last year, maybe, but they're, they're the pubs. They're the pubs, brilliant. And I know that in Sober Lane, it's known for the pizzas and the beers. <laughs> That's yes, yeah, yeah. Probably more chicken goujons than pizzas at this stage, but um, oh. yeah, yeah, it's all about the grub. Yeah, it's a funny one. And so, and then your involvement in Cork Salmon Community, because I think it's such a different thing to be involved in a charity versus private businesses and, and hospitality. So I think it will give people a sense to talk a little bit about what that looks like and, and how you can do both. Sure, yeah. Um, I suppose there's a there's a personal motivation towards it, and then there's the actual practicality of what you can deliver. So um, for me, I make it and sell it for a living. Um, and um, I didn't start off in life with any great career plans. I've just kind of ended up where I've ended up with. Um, and I and I don't drink alcohol and haven't for a long time. So that's a unusual for somebody who makes it and, and, and sells it um, and uh, I don't really have a moral dilemma with with make it and selling it but, but part of what I do to reconcile that or try and level the skills in my own head uh, mm. that was one of my motivations to get involved in, in, in Cork Simon um, 
and there would be um, while it's not a it's it's predominantly a homeless um, services provider. Um, for a lot of our service users, there would be um, alcohol and substance uh, issues in the background, certainly not all of them, and that would be a generalization I'd be very careful not to make, particularly at the moment. That's mm. traditionally maybe it was. Unfortunately, that's not the case now at all. You know, um, but um, but it, it, for me, it just is a bit of a balancing of the scale. So that, that's one of the motivations I got into. Also, selfishly, um, uh, people say serial entrepreneur a lot of the time like it's a good thing. But for me, um, like it's very start a business, it's way harder to stick with it and, and make it work. So I would have been stuck in lots and lots of businesses and a lot of them didn't work largely because I went off to the next thing. Uh, a friend of mine calls it shiny penny uh, syndrome. <laughs> and it's a pity some of them are great little ideas um, and I just didn't give them the TLC that they deserved. Um, so um, being on the board of a charity um, offers me those challenges. Um, without, I suppose, maybe the personal risk um, mm. that's involved. And also, it, um, to be blunt, like the, the Simon organization has um, a bigger turnover, or more employees, or more service users than any of my businesses do. So it's a chance to be involved in a bigger organization, and for all the, the thrills and worries that come with that, um, and to be on a board of, of highly experienced and skilled and interesting people, um, and deal with opportunities and, and crises as they pop up. So it's, it's certainly fulfilling. Um, it can be draining and challenging and nerve-wracking and things like that mm. at the moment. Um, but it's a... Um, and I suppose the other thing to be, to be honest about is that um, uh, it, it's... Um, it's I, I find it very interesting, but in the same breath, while it's a homeless um, service provider, a homeless charity, I mean, we, we sit in, when I say a boardroom, it's a, dis, a disused storage room. It's nothing glamorous about that facility, but it's still sitting around for a couple of hours. Like we have, um, you know, we have a soup run and we have shelters and we have all sorts mm -hmm. of volunteers, employees who do, who are at the coalface, which is a much harder stuff um, that I'm really, if ever, involved with. Um, and I just think it, it's probably easiest to be upfront about that. So I, I think mm -hmm. I have a skill set that I can bring to the charity and I really in, enjoy that and I'd, I'll be there for as long as they want me um, but it, it certainly is a two-way street I, I really um, even trying to figure out it, it, even at the moment it's um, selfishly it's offering a good distraction um, from you know the, the difficulties of my own business has been closed um, trying to figure out okay what do we do if we have a COVID outbreak in the mm. hostel or how do we manage social distancing in shared dorms or all these kind of challenges mm. you know um, um, and it's it, it, it's not a pleasant distraction but it's still a distraction you know like mm. and it's still instead of coming into an empty electric every day and saying okay did we paint the room for the second time you know like <laughs> as you said polish the glass it's, ironically all that furniture that was always delivered the day we closed like we're getting ready Whoa. for the summer season bad timing some it's in the boxes but um <laughs> Uh, so it, it's given me, a, you know, a focus or a routine or I suppose helping me cling on to that, ident that professional identity a bit like, you know, mm. long I after. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that that's, so that's really important, the piece around the reciprocal piece. You know, a lot of the time, um, and I'd be involved in different charities in different ways, but a lot of the time it, it, it can unfortunately be kind of like a savior mentality where we go in and we're like, let us save people. Right. And there's not yeah. really the humility or the humanity in the fact that it's reciprocal. We receive in, in that process. And I love that. That's what you're opening with. Is that awareness of that? Because often, 
and and sometimes I get a bit uncomfortable when people are like you're so good for doing that and it's so called actually I gain as well while I'm giving something unless it's reciprocal we it probably wouldn't be sustainable for any of us to give anything yep I know what you mean. and I suppose one one good thing about board level is that um while well, say you don't have the individual impacts you would have you know making connections with one on one um you get results so there's fundraising targets and we see whether we hit them or not and there's a budget that has to to balance one way or another um and you know there are plans for for crises and things like that 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 come up so um and, and again don't um uh, we get the numbers of people sleeping rough um so you know we get the tally once a week and once a month and going to say it's a score because of that make trivializes it but we take great interest in whether that number is going up or down mm. and what we can do to affect it so um so people don't you know they get the feel good factor and that reward of being involved in a charity but it probably isn't always um as transparent is the wrong word um they probably don't get to see if they're winning again is the wrong word mm. but you know they 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 instead of making a difference in the you know intangible of it you say okay is, is this number going down? Are there less people sleeping rough? And what, you know, are, um, is our hostel full? Why is it? Why isn't it? You know, all those mm. things. Um, it is, uh, it, it's good that there is those uh, uh, KPIs, those indicators, those trackers to try and figure out if you're doing the right thing and actually make a difference. Because mm. I, yeah, yeah I, I spoke to John Avoy. He works in the, of the social enterprise and he would have been one of the main factors in the men's shed in ireland yep. um and he said something that was really important on the interview he said that we've got to check that we're still aiming for the same thing so sometimes we we start a project with an aim but we get distracted because it can't be met in that way and yep. because we're so energized by like helping we forget to measure if we're actually having the impacting the thing that we wanted to impact or are we now impacting something else which is positive but wasn't the focus and, and I think that that can happen a lot in community work in social enterprises is that sometimes there are so many barriers to measuring or to seeing results or it's it's such a long journey that it's yeah. easy to get distracted by like kind of a side result that isn't really yeah. the purpose you know yeah oh, oh, big time and those look it's the same with, with business or life in general like those those tangents are, are distracting and, and sometimes they're very worthy so for us um for the last number of years with uh, cork simon and uh, a number of of um homeless uh, charities and service providers worldwide have been engaged in this thing housing first homes so their own units that they call their own long term and and sharpening the gap between when they find themselves homeless and getting in there mm. um and you um sometimes you know we um think about how how do we get people off the street tonight you know mm -hmm. like tomorrow and the next day and how do we have more emergency beds and that kind of stuff whereas if the, and, and what you figure out after a while is that eventually you're just accumulating people in these services rather you know you're dealing with the short-term need instead of the, the medium and long-term one and um the sooner you get somebody into a, a house but a home um mm -hmm. and there's like there is a difference um the, the I, I suppose being being blunt the, the less of a drain there are on your services so you can go on to helping the next person next person um and there is a i think right around um 85 percent um of a retention or success rate of people who previously would have been deemed uh unworthy by whoever mm -hmm. makes that call are unsuitable 
um, are not ready um, uh, you know, to live on their own. Um, uh, and it turns out that, that that wasn't the case at all when these people were given the opportunity, 85% of them. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, and when you think about, uh, so with our service users, we don't deal a huge lot with families. It would be predominantly mm. male um, and people who would have issues and difficulties in their lives. So, so people you would think who, you know, that's a shockingly high success rate um, of people if you, just, if you just give them that chance to, to survive and thrive in their own environment. So, but it, it, so we are forever having to, to say, okay, this is our goal. Mm. Um, um, and, and similarly, with our, our, we have an amazing team of, of fundraisers, um, as led by a lady, Rachel, who's really into the science of it. And for me, I'd be coming up you know, these ideas for these, you know, novel fundraising. I think they're great and cookbooks and, and coffee mornings. Um, and she's okay, well, look, this is our, this is what we do. This is what works. Um, and uh, they mightn't be the shiniest or brightest of ideas, but the ones that have the greatest yield, which are obviously the, the priority, you know, fundraising, it's, it's a... Um, so I, I, sometimes those tangents are worthy or they're nice or they feel good and it's hard not... And I, you go down the rabbit hole and you don't know what's going to be inside and it's a nice one but I agree with you it's, it's really important to keep coming back to that core thing and what a success the men's sheds have been whoa what a movement yeah and, and I think that there's there's something about that empowerment like that 85% that you're talking about um, you know sometimes the the things we measure about whether people are capable or not can't be measured until we give them space to be capable and yeah. supports to be capable you know, there's, there's a lot of people who are where they are because they haven't been given the space and they yeah. haven't been given the support, as opposed to deciding that they shouldn't be given the opportunity. Well, and it, it goes back to thinking about, um, you know, they're, they're trying to push for um, housing being, a, you know, a, a constitutional right. And if you think about it, like, that's why I was careful, but purposely used the words um, unworthy. So like, Nobody decides anyone's unworthy of food, you know, or water, um, our, our safety. Um, so why do we decide that we um, have the ability to decide whether or not somebody's worthy of a home? Uh, it makes no sense when you think about it like that. It's just not a, it's not even about being qualified to make that thing. It's just a right we don't have. You know, like mm. that everyone um, has a chance, uh, you know, should have a repeated chance to make that, um, to make that work. Yeah, and there also is a financial. Sorry for interrupt. There is a financial argument. There's um some that people can Google. It's called Million Dollar Murray. And, okay. and basically, he was a very stereotypical um, uh, person who was homeless and had substance abuse issues. And they tracked him over a number of years. It was in Canada. Um, it was somebody like Malcolm Gladwell um, did the study, but I don't know if it was him. And when they worked out um, um, the cost in in healthcare and rehab and all these things um, over a number of years. The numbers got up to a million so the state had a million invested a million uh, dollars in this person without any great results for anyone especially him um and um whereas they realized so so that it they were saying so the the, the cost of housing some like a lot but when you look over what you invest in somebody otherwise over a period of years or their lifetime it, it's far cheaper so there's a there's a cold numbers case mm. for it and then there's the the it's everybody's right side to two. Um, yeah. So it's, a, it's an interesting one. And I think that there's a bit of a cultural issue in Ireland around it, because I, around houses, because there's, I know that friends my age now buying a house has become, if you're not having the baby, or even if you're having the baby, buying the house is the new, like, is the new sign of success, whatever. And maybe it's not new, but 
it, it seems interesting that the people I hung out with three years ago and we were focused on a night out or, or on like creating some mad project or traveling. It's now like a house, a house is success now. And, yeah. and I think there's a little bit of a challenge for people culturally to think about this thing that I believe gives me status and gives me identity and gives me security that people out there who are behaving in ways that I don't understand and I, I don't have compassion towards possibly, or just don't have insight into because it's not my experience could access the same thing without yeah. all of the things. I'm, so I think sometimes there's a bit of a cultural issue around that for us in Ireland, because we still have status so linked to, to homes. Yes. And that, that's why I want to say about being a right. So you, you don't, so nobody thinks, oh my God, I can't believe those people are availing of a super on service because I had to go out and work all day to get money to buy food for myself. And a home, we need to think about homes in the same um, way. And um, I, I think that if people think about, you know, um, somebody says, that's so unfair. So I saved for five years, get my deposit for house, and they're handing them one. It's okay. Would you like to swap circumstances with that person? You know, like for like, no would be the answer. most um, like gaming system you know um if you come through our doors uh you certainly deserve any help that we can you know that we can give you um there's not just the there's just different it's a different kind of barrier you, you might not have to, to give up those saturday nights um is staying in i suppose you know that's a really first world problem but i know entirely what you mean and yeah. i think that um I understand why the central bank have these restrictions in place. I don't necessarily agree with them, but I understand them, you know, about um, the amount you can borrow and, and the deposits and all that. But it, it has created that, that mentality that you're talking about. Um, uh, and it's funny, it, it, um, it, so going back to my hospitality thing, um, changing um, people's habits change. So you don't go out for a number of a year or two or two to save your deposit. When you buy the house, you don't automatically okay we're back out now again um in in my business people talk a lot about the millennium so new year's eve was always a big night in town and i remember the the with the millennium um a lot of people um i, I think uh I, I wasn't i wasn't in business at the time but i think a lot of businesses charged a door policy or i think some taxis charged you know a surplus or double fares things like that so um People said, okay, we're, you know, town is too expensive or we can't get a ticket or we're not sure we'll get a taxi home, so we're going to have a house party. And they had a great time. And New Year's Eve never really came back into town, you know, because mm. that habit changed. And it's a bit, I was chatting with somebody this, this, this morning, somebody from Diageo, and they were saying, so, okay, we call self-isolation, socialising. But people have, at the moment are socialising in a different way, you know, digitally like this or whatever. And as, as we said a while ago, they're buying a lot of alcohol in, in the off-trade as opposed to the on-trade, so in, in shops. And, um, and um, so when, when this all wraps up, chances are hopefully it's going to be in the summer. Um, so it's going to be real barbecue time. So like, there's a big challenge on bars and restaurants to embrace that you know, re-emergence party or anti-COVID mm. party, whatever it is, as opposed to people having... And because people are probably going to be financially challenged for a while, um, which is another incentive for them to do the DIY, have barbecues at home thing. Um, making pubs and, to lesser extent, restaurants relevant again is going to be a challenge. So breaking those habits or, or keeping people in their habits is going to be a... a mm, mm. And I, th I think that the... It's interesting you're saying that New Year's Eve never really came back. 
I hate New Year's Eve in town. I, the stress of it and the cost of it yeah. and the heels yeah. that I wish I didn't wear, right? all of that together is like, just stay at home and be comfortable and have great crack with your friends, no issues, because you can manage your friends yourself. You know what I mean? We can manage each yes. other instead of the barman or the, the bouncer having to like pull the rowdy one out because they're worried he's actually going to cause trouble, but he's yeah. just annoying. Like he's just drunk. Yeah. Um, so so I, I think it will be interesting to see how people move towards drinking and, and socializing at home. There's a big concern at the moment around yes. domestic violence, I guess, and to, to put a dampener on it, but to bring it up, there's a big concern that people are stuck in homes now where there's domestic violence and where children are at risk because we aren't socializing the same way it can't be seen. Um, and, and I suppose it, it's, there's a little bit about thinking about how we support each other during this as well, because these are the realities now. It's not as visible over the next couple of weeks. Everything's behind closed doors primarily. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. Something I, I, I'll be honest, I probably didn't give, I give a lot of thought to. Um, I would be, um, so obviously it's a challenging time for people um, with mental health issues and everybody's mental health. Um, um, I, um, but yeah, it's a good point. So, so like there's, and I suppose for, it, just a generalization, but for people who have difficult or challenging circumstances, this is only going to uh, heighten that. You know, mm. like, um, uh, so the, I suppose the, the people who are less challenged and are living off Deliveroo or have a comfortable home environment, safe environment, it's not the worst to be cooped up there. You know, like, mm. um, whereas if you've, you know, yeah, if you have a tough home environment or an, an unsafe one, worse still, yeah, I can only imagine um, that is a, yeah, that's a, you know, I'll be honest, something I hadn't thought about and it's an unpleasant one, isn't it? Yeah, and I suppose I, I've been thinking about it because the, the reaching out at the moment, we tend to meet the same people out and about, like we have the same group of friends and that's going to change now. We're not going to meet them out, but also we may not, may, it may not be the same as having a chat with the person you usually have a coffee and a gossip with. It, it might not feel the same kind of reason to reach out to them. But I think at the moment, I was actually thinking about the Simon community and the fact that those people are visible to service providers. Throughout this, they yeah. are visible. There are supports that will be maintained yes. and they are visible. And then there's the people in between who, who actually aren't as visible. And I'm just yes. thinking that community approach towards everybody would be really helpful as opposed to just kind of anchoring down into our own little world because this might actually be when that reaching out is most valuable. Yeah, uh, my, my wife works for a really good programme called Young Lachnihini. Um It's another one worth looking up. It started with Young Ballymun, but in fairness, I think from Young Lachnihini is probably the leading light of it now nationally. And it's about early intervention in um, um, with services and supports for, for children um, with learning difficulties and all these different things and, and supporting mums. They do all sorts of really interesting things like baby massage and all these things. But um, I, I, I'm passionate about it, so if you start to make a talk and talk about it without actually having the knowledge to explain it properly, so that's why I'm, I, I'm summarising it like that. But um, so myself, my wife, trying to balance working from home. We've one and a three-year-old, and so if I do the morning, she does the afternoon, and then when they go to bed, we both try and catch up and, and make up the full day. Um, but she would usually call to people's houses a lot, um, mm. whereas now it, it, it's by phone. And um, and again, I suppose you just should be very observant so you know you don't pick up those cues of, of, of people of being anxious or how they're you know holding their baby or dealing with it or, or um and even with the a baby or a young child can really have that 
um, make those assessments are offered the contribution support usually would by phone. Um, so there, so you have all these people who were getting these supports that know that are removed when they need it the most. And they're, look, they're trying to fulfill them to the service as best they can by phone, but that's a challenge for everyone. Yeah, so you're right, it is a, trying to keep the things that you need most. Is it, like you said about the men's shed, so how many people have come to depend on that and now mm. can't do it? I think, I could be wrong, um, but I think a lot of the users of that are people who are retired or are slightly older. And again, a generalization, but may not be the Zoom um, or Google Hangout people, you know, um, yeah. which is a pity. I know my uh, wife um, gave um, um, a smartphone to her grandmother. Um, I, I think primarily maybe with the ability to watch mass, uh, you know, to, to video join master, but but there's never been so much FaceTiming, you know, like um, yeah. with kids and, um, and we, while they would be very close, they might see each other once a month. Whereas now there's two FaceTimes a week with the grandchildren. So um, it is a, like, that's a, a positive, I guess, or certainly yeah. a good solution for it. But there is a need to rethink how, um, you know, you've seen all those nice Mother's Day videos where people are chatting to their people through the windows and all this kind of crack. And they're nice. Um, uh, and it, it is great for the people who reimagine those things. But as you said, the people who probably need the support most are probably least in the position to, to, uh, avail those solutions mm -hmm. i think i was thinking the other day instead of waiting to be asked we need to keep reaching out and like let people tell us no let people yeah. push us back um yeah. but make make that effort because while we can't stop what's happening in people's homes in this situation what we can definitely do is stop them being alone in it um yeah which well, a lot of yeah sorry sorry i'm just you go you go <laughs> which I suppose a lot of survivors would say, survivors from all sorts of um, situations in the home would say always like helped. Not being alone in it is more helpful than being alone in it. And, uh, uh, and... Yeah. Go on. <laughs> I'm just going to say a problem shared is undoubtedly a problem halved. Um, and I know that's a cliche and it's simplistic. And I know we went on this tangent a little bit through the, through the heading of domestic violence so not making light of saying that talking about that is going to help but in general a problem is a, a problem um, shared like I, I, I thankfully I've had very few hardships through this experience but one of the trickiest things was having that conversation with my staff and saying look um, mm. I, I don't know when you know we're going to be reopening and that passing on that uncertainty but just the um, the supportive and courageous manner in which they took that news and said looking forward to reopening and keep in touch and just i would have completely have understood if they wanted to vent or, or blame me for it you know shooting the the messenger um or my inability to adapt the business in some way to keep it going um but nobody did and um and that just made it way easier and and um um and similarly the amount of friends and, and customers people i only know through business who sent really nice messages but saying, you know, brave move to close and well done for doing it. Um, and it just was, they, they do help, you know, like that that uh, yeah. ability to talk to people about it or just that pat on the back. Um, maybe it says something about me that I need those little supports. I don't know, but um, it just certainly made things much easier to bear. Yeah, no, I, I think they're fundamental because there was, you know, I, I don't think it's just you, while we all might want them in different ways, hearing that these hard decisions we're making resonate with people allows us to be reassured like I've had to move 
all my client work online. And that is most of my clients non-ideal. Like they, yes. they would rather sit in the office with me, but they have gone to the effort of doing that. So most of them, some people are happy on zoom because it's their thing, but yeah. you know, people saying, thanks for putting our safety before your profits, you know, yeah. or, or before your business, like there's, that just reminds you, yes, that we're doing it for the right reasons. And I think, I think maybe something to finish on is that piece you said about a problem shared is a problem halved. And while we can't solve anything for anyone else right now, and we don't have the same supports or systems in place that we would usually lean on, we don't have to be alone in the chaos of all of this. And yeah. I think that alone strengthens our re resilience. Even 100%. when we're in dire situations, it doesn't solve anything, but it helps. And that's all we can really aim for at the moment. Yes, oh, yeah. I agree. I agree entirely. Um, and and there is um, uh, it. If I have uh, friends who are living abroad, who I would contact sporadically, whereas I'm in far more contact now. One, I guess, because I'm on social media, or, or you know, um, that is the main way of communicating at the moment. But also because I'm curious, and you know, I, I hear a news story or I see it on the Guardian app about Australia, and I'm saying, "Geez, okay, I wonder how they're getting on." You know, um, yeah. So there is friendships rekindling out of it but there is um definitely that you know concern about you know people and, and even just general um so what's going on in italy is obviously horrific mm. um and but but there is you know the uh, there's different crises going on in different countries all over the world every day you know so sudan and all these challenged places mm. um I, I suppose it's just because maybe the age we live in are or access to media, or maybe because Italy feels a bit closer than somewhere like Sudan. But I don't, including myself, don't find myself at home going, all oh, those poor people in Sudan who've taken a kicking for the last 50 years, you know, um, whereas I can really empathize with the Italians, you know? Mm. So it's, um, that's an interesting one, I guess, in the psychological study all in itself. But there is that greater empathy for just, you know, worrying about other people who are going through the same um, circumstance. Yeah. And I think the word is empathy. I think you're right. When we feel that it could be related to us in some way, we do take more notice. And while yeah. we know that there are horrific things happening, when there's a bit of a distance, it, it almost feels like, oh, well, that's, a, you know, what can I do with that? But in this yeah. situation, we're looking at a world. And I think it's yeah. the first, it's definitely the first time in my lifetime where I've ever looked at something and it's the world looking at this. Yes. So yeah. we're not fighting each other. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. we're fighting a virus that's, that's, that's bringing all our economies, all our people down, you know, and we're doing it together. Yeah. It's the first time I've ever in, in the history of history ever known of the world to fight something together. And that's fascinating. That is absolutely yeah. fascinating. Okay. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. Ernest, we're going to leave it there because otherwise this is going to go on and on. I'd say we could chat for hours. So I just want to thank you for coming on and I will have links to your services and to the, to the restaurants and also to your products because I think people would be interested in having a look. So thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Nice right. chatting to you. Thank Thanks you. a million. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Tilted Podcast and I'm your host, Sheila Walsh. If you'd like to sponsor The Tilted Coaching Podcast, simply pop over to patreon.com slash tiltedcoaching and sponsor the podcast for as little as a cup of coffee a month. If I didn't say it correctly, pop over to the link in the bio, visit the Patreon page and become a sponsor. Thanks a million.